0: If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can somehow find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, The Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm not joined by Kyle. This should be the last time we're without him, but I'm joined by a man that I like to call one of like nine good sooners. No, I'm just joking. But I'm joined by the man himself, Kamiyama Rabian from the Crimson and Cream Machine. How you doing tonight, brother?
1: I'm doing I'm doing all right. I mean, we we talked previously like how how we would have answered <laughs> answer that question before for the audience listening, like pretty much. I'm my, my wife just got COVID and I'm experiencing the same symptoms. So like now my answer is definitely different, but if he asked if Gerald would have me and Gerald would have podcasted on Saturday, I would have been like, everything's great. Um, but no, everything's cool, man. I'm thank you for inviting me on fun fact. Um, one at one time in Oklahoma, there's, there's a city called Purcell, which is roughly like, um, 45 minutes South of the OKC Metro. It's actually about 20 minutes South of Norman. And there, when I lived there when I was younger, uh, it was like a two-way little podunk town um, in Oklahoma. Like you only need to know everybody's last four digits of their phone number because the fir- all the first three digits are the same. Uh, it was five two seven. I still remember those three digits. You only need to know the last four digits. Love it. And to make it easier on the on the people there that could not for some reason be able to say my name just as well as you always do, Gerald. And Gerald is. Of course, I always say on the podcast. I think I name dropped you in my like my last few <laughs> podcasts and was like, "Gerald and Kyle are awesome over there." <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I all the time, all the time, all the praise. Uh, since they could not say my name for some reason, I said all right just call me kyle so you are podcasting with the kyle tonight all things are good
0: kyle is in england with his um he's with with the tejas club it's it's the the social group he is with uh in college and so we had hudson from hudson standing from 247 on hudson is also a member of that that social club so hudson filled our our tejas uh void and now Kamiara is filling in our, our Kyle void and again we, we won't make you we'll make you anglicize your name here on this podcast we are <laughs> names are important names have importance um man there's a lot to talk about I there's so much to talk about um what I I, I want to just start at like the the big picture it's Sort of like a new season in Norman, like it's a new season yeah. with familiar names, I guess is the right way yeah. to put it. But um, Brent Venables stepping in to take over for that guy out in L.A. Uh, now, we, we try not to swear on this uh, podcast, but T- Tebow, right? Is that what we go with? Is that
1: uh, I I personally didn't care. Right. I like I, I, I of course, like in the moment when you feel jilted, you feel upset. But to me, I was like, all right, well, let's get the next guy in. I wasn't on. I'm not like one of the people that's like so bitter that I'm tweeting about this guy every day of my life, like some sooner fans do. It's exhausting. Um, but I, I, I almost, I, I can't get it out of my mind that I have not seen this much effort from um, the media just in general, Fox, ESPN uh rivals 247 all all the articles and publishers trying to do damage control for Lincoln Riley's reputation as much as I've seen as any coach recently that has left a as has left university I thought that was interesting like there's been so much like coverage on him in particular and like the reasons why he moved and all that stuff. But that was not necessarily, that hasn't been the case for many coaches. And I was thinking about that today and the reason maybe why, I mean, of course I'd be very, very um, selfish to think it hasn't happened elsewhere. Uh, But I just was thinking that why is, why is it suddenly this is, uh, but no, it's a weird season, man. It, it feels fresh, but also, like almost refurbished in a way uh, <laughs> new in a way because you're getting Brent Venables a decade later, right? I mean he leaves in 2012 and Mickey makes his reappearance as the head coach in 2022 And so you you get this new staff and you have the same you have the same players on defense. you have the same players on defense, but now you have a total different defensive philosophy where, it's not look at the wristband and then you do what the wristband tells you to do The, the defense is so multiple. And so that's your concern there. Um, yeah. <laughs> despite the fact that many people know, Brent Benevol's defense when able to get pressure is pretty nasty. And on the flip side of the coin, you go to the offense and the fans are like, okay, we, we have seen what this is. This is Jeff Levy. Levy comes from the, the, what they called the bear raid when Baylor yeah. and TCU were running the conference for those like two or three years. Uh, it's that, it's that same offense, tight ends, whatever, very easy to use, very quarterback friendly, uh, not a lot of route trees, very simple to learn, but you got a lot of new faces, <laughs> uh, so that is pretty much where it's at. So uh, as far as the fan base temperature and like how everything is going, of course, yes, everybody's always gonna hate on Lincoln Riley and also feel incredibly satisfied where he thought he was going to a position that would make it easier to get to the College Playoff. Um and And now is in a more horrifying position than he when what he thought he was going to be. People are going to very find a lot of satisfaction in that. Yes, but it's a it's it's an interesting vibe among Sooner fans. There are Sooner fans that are super cynical, Sooner fans that are super in the middle, and then Sooner fans that are of course that are gonna be your sunshine pumpers every single day, just as any fan base will.
0: I love it. And and the conversation externally from at least for me, when when the coaching change happened, like it, Riley was weird this last year, and so it felt. It felt like something needed to change. It felt like it was just a different vibe, a different mood. And like I'm a huge Brent Venables fan. I was, I was when when he was run off ten years ago. I was like, what, what, what are you people doing? Like, yeah. And and football fans are a lot smarter than they were ten years ago. I think we were on the the front end of this offensive revolution in yep. college football. That's Didn't what the realized what
1: was. was going on.
0: Yeah, nobody. Until yeah. so now, looking back, you're like, oh, Venable's was was good. It just the Big yeah. Twelve was just a, a completely different animal than what we had seen for the last thirty years of college football. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I, I am, I'm a big believer that like college football is better when the blue bloods are good. And so like I want Venable's to be good eleven mm-hmm. Saturdays out of the year, right? Like that's where I'm at. It's like right. if. He can be great 11 weeks and then go to the cotton bowl and forget how to coach. Like that's my, that's my hope for Brent. (laughs) That's what I want to see.
1: And a couple of people that I really, really trust uh, in their opinion too, because I asked their opinion on, you know, Joe, Joe Castiglione usually goes after young head coaches. That has been his MO for such a long time. And I thought, okay, Well, I mean, well, young head coaches and apparently sports that, you know, that aren't basketball, that aren't men's basketball, uh, mind you. I mean, (laughs) they had Lon after Kelvin and then they just got Porter and I'm not calling Porter old, but he's, you know, I think he's like 55. Um, But uh, football always goes young. And of course, he's only had to make those two hires. It's only two hires, but I thought it was interesting, like, man, why go after Venables? 10 years later, he uh, 10 years later, he is in his 50s. Um, I think he actually is just 50. But why go after a guy that has, of course, he has national title rings. Don't get me wrong. He's a defensive coordinator. He hasn't ever had to been ever have had to been a head coach, despite, you know, whatever offers are thrown out there. You know, like he mentions how he turned down the Auburn job. Kansas State offered them the job like every year, you know, because it's Brent Venables come back home, Kansas yeah. boy. Um, but I mean, that I'm asking why, why Brent? Why this guy that is this age, um, specifically with his approach to college football, with NIL in the landscape uh, being really important in his recruiting yeah. philosophy? And the answer that I got actually a few times, uh, uh, these these few times I asked was, he's a transition coach to the new conference. And then if he has success, sure, elongate his career. But it very much feels like a guy to write the ship, have it rolling, and then they make the next hire maybe seven years down the road or something along those lines. And I thought that was really, really, really intriguing uh, about those, those specific comments in general, because I mean, realistically, how, how, how old are coaches now that like Nick Staben? Yeah. He's coaching right now. He's a little bit older, but he, my grandma could go coach the Alabama (laughs) Crimson Tide and they're going to end up in the national title. And of and of course he does that and has high expectations and stuff like that. But I mean, what coaches that are coaching that old that are have that aren't having success?
0: Saban is, I think, the the outlier, right? Kirby Smart is what 46, I think. Like it's yeah, the coaches are getting younger and younger, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. And it feels like, and, and again, this is me as an outsider, a lot like bringing in stoops to to coach the bowl game right you need you need a lighthouse you need a cornerstone you need somebody who knows the landscape knows what to do uh is not going to there and i don't mean this as a, as an insult it's not going to be a complete overhaul it's not going to be somebody who's a complete one eight, well it'll be a 180 from a lot of things that riley was doing but but i think for ou fans they're going to know what to expect and i think it'll be that, a
1: throwback it'll be a throwback yeah. for sure
0: and and that gives provides some safety. That's like a it's like a warm hug after after the, the tumult of the, the last couple of uh last couple of months, last several months.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll be it's be, it definitely been a throwback sort of feel. I mean, when Brent Venables was in Norman, uh, after he followed uh Mike and Bob to to Norman as well, uh, all from K-State. Um, That young core of defensive minds, I mean, besides the fact that Mike and Brent Venables would argue (laughs) on the headset while the players were like waiting for the call they were known as the three Stoops brothers, even though he had Mark who's coaching some in another conference. And, and I think, actually I think Mark at the time in early 2000s was an assistant at A&M who was well, obviously is in the SEC now in any ways, but uh, Mark at Kentucky, you know, it's in like whatever. Um, and then uh, I think they have another brother that doesn't coach, but Venables was known as that third Stoop. He was known as the third Stoops brother because they were always together and had the same outlook on, coaching uh, their coaching philosophy what they wanted their teams to be what they want their teams to look like um and all those kind of things um you could be the most talented athlete in the world but if you don't check some of those boxes and one of them is pretty much like i i hate to say it but i think it's very true no divas that you don't want (laughs) to deal with um, if they, if they don't check that no diva box and like, and is not a full team guy, you're not playing for him. And so it is a very stoopsian way to do things. Obviously you're seeing it in recruiting uh, right now. Now recruiting is a, is a different story in July for the Sooners um but it's it's a very his recruiting tactics are very different now I mean you go from Riley who went after every four or five star and try to get them committed as early as possible you have guys that held their commitments from their juniors junior and sophomore years in high school for Lincoln Riley I mean and then uh just trying to get them to commit and get in the boat whereas Brent Venables is telling dudes like hey listen once you once you commit you're not reserving your spot you have made your commitment to the school and so don't you dare go like on another visit basically yep um if you're going to commit to Oklahoma and so that is a very old school way of recruiting now and so I mean, like I mentioned on a couple of podcasts, it's like the Hank kill of selling propane and propane accessories that <laughs> he's going to, they want to educate you on the, on the program, what they can offer you, what they can offer you for NIL as well. Um, and then go take all your other visits. And if Oklahoma is the place for you, then Oklahoma is the place for you, of course. You have to sell some of the guys a little bit harder that are a little bit highly more t- more highly touted. but it's definitely a different approach, and it is certainly a throwback, which I think fans do take comfort in, like you said. Um, and I think that's another reason why it gives fans some a, a little bit of irrational confidence heading into this coming season. I think this season could go really well. I think you, i I can see three scenarios really well eight win season or you are really struggling to get that seventh game in uh like that seventh win in. um I, I could see it going one of those three ways and I know it's like well it doesn't know how every season goes uh <laughs> a little bit but I mean I'm just saying like I expect Oklahoma to be bowl eligible they have the talent there uh but Man, there's there are so many ways a season can go. And I'm 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 anxious, Lee awaiting, I suppose, to see what that's going to look like in Nebraska. It is a is a measuring stick for many people uh, in Norman. They're like, all right, go to the Big Ten, play a team that is basically three yards in a cloud of dust see where you come out on the opposite side because they played keep away from Oklahoma last year when Lincoln Riley was the head coach. And then, and it beat the hell out of Oklahoma. I mean, they, they, they couldn't out muscle other guys. And I think Nebraska will be a good, uh, a very, very good measuring stick for Oklahoma and their physicality. And that's the main thing that Oklahoma fans are really harping on too is Immediately from the get-go of that coaching search, first of all, you always heard a name, one name accompanying Jeff uh, uh, Brent Venables. I already said his name, Jeff Lebby. You always heard Jeff Lebby's name accompanying Brent Venables. You also, and as soon as he was hired, you also heard another name always occur, uh, being accompanied by Brent Venables, which is Jerry Schmidt, who Lincoln Riley. Got told, told to kick rocks, and he went yeah. to AM. We've talked about Benny Wiley privately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Texas uh, – of course, with the Texas Tech connection, because uh, uh, Lincoln was there at Tech when Wiley was there. And you saw the offensive line just regress and regress and regress phys- uh, physically. And they will go from Joe Moore Award winners to what the heck has this been – like this last year and a half. And like you said, uh, Riley acted. It was a very last year was a very, very strange year um, in all capacities, football and just feeling around the program offices were dead quiet. It was strange. And then when you find out that Lincoln Riley has an account uh, and a a, uh, escrow account on a house uh, since September of last year, it's a little bit rough, but life moves on brother
0: it it does so let's talk about the move on right like for the first time since what 2015 the the Sooners are gonna have a different guy calling the offense Jeff Levy coming in new quarterback Dylan Gabriel replacing uh Caleb Williams who I'll just I'll just go and say it. Flirted with other schools to make it look less weird when he went to USC. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Addison
1: did it, too.
0: Right. Yeah, totally. He he visited Texas to to show respect to, yeah. to Ron and Marion, but he was always going. There's a longer conversation. Other conversations happening about um, if USC can deliver the bags they promised. But we're not here to speculate <laughs> on that. When we talk about new new look offense, Jeff Levy um, with Dylan Gabriel, like what? OU has been synonymous with offense for the last decade 15 years like what are we what what should we expect to see from the sooner offense in this kind of new era
1: so and and the good thing about this is that i've had podcasts and just like longer to disc- you know how these podcasts are we we yeah. speak on the podcast for an hour and we talk for actually for two hours that people don't <laughs> get the end un- people should pay for the unfiltered version right and uh <laughs> but you know i've talked to people at ucf i've talked to the sports illustrated guy that covers them i've talked to the orlando sentinel uh from when jeff levy was with gabriel at ucf and then i talked to Stephen willis who runs uh, locked on old miss sports about when Jeff Levy was under Lane Kiffin and what they would do with Matt Corral and the kind of similar kind of player player play style, I suppose, yeah. that Gabriel Lane Corral kind of do a little bit. Of course, their, their body types are different. You're looking at a lot of points. Uh, you're looking at a lot of go routes. Uh, you're looking at an offense that is spreading you out very far to the boundaries to where it creates one-on-ones. And so basically you get your athletes out in space. If a defense decides that they're going to press and cover up, uh, Oklahoma and Gabriel, a uh, game, this has been noted that Gabriel went with protection with good protection, of course, delivers a, a deep ball that is pretty special. And that's one of his really main great attributes that he brings to it. And that's why he's so successful in this kind of offense, at the same time as that, it's also a you also see times when they bring in like two tight ends, uh, and and it's and it's it's going to be such a weird look for many Oklahoma fans that you know you go from Lincoln yeah Lincoln Riley Josh Heupel Kevin Wilson I believe before mm-hmm. and. You always looked at the Baylor offense, though, that was whipping Landry Jones' butt and look wh- whipping Trevor Knight's butts, you know, that they couldn't put up those points. They're like, man, how are they how are they putting up this like sixty points a game? And it they just they went deep a lot. And then that forced a lot of cover three or umbrella three coverages over the top. And then it all depends on the trenches from there. that and that's where Oklahoma would then have a downhill running game. So basically a lot, it's a lot of long passes or check downs, which are basically just slants. So not a big route tree It or bubble screens too. just getting athletes out in space on one in one-on-one scenarios. And when they're not spreading people out to the boundaries or when they are, they're still trying to run downhill. So that's basically what they're trying to do. I don't, I don't think Everything is going to be an RPO. I think everything will look like an RPO, but yeah. given Dylan Gabriel's broken collarbone that ended his season last year, of course, and they, I don't think they want to experiment with Davis Bevel from Pitt uh, as their backup quarterback. Um, I don't, I think everything's going to look like an RPO uh, because in Jeff Levy's offense, in that, or it's not his offense, but in that iteration of the offense that he's putting on yeah. the field, I don't think that... Everything will be something to be noted is Lincoln Riley. and like you said, since 2015, um, Oklahoma's had an offensive coordinator on the sidelines. Jeff Levy's a box offensive coordinator. And so you have okay. Dylan Gabriel. Luckily enough, thank God for Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners being able to be somewhat of an extension of Jeff Lebby on the field because he's played in that offense.
0: I like it. I like it. So you mentioned a couple of times in their protection. And one of the biggest, I think, recruiting wins for OU and Brent and Brent Venables was keeping Bill Biedenbaugh. Like I was simultaneously very salty that he stayed, but also glad he didn't go to USC because that helped tip the Devon Campbell scales uh, down to Austin. But you've got Biedenbaugh back, who's one of the three best offensive line coaches in the I, I would put him top I would put him top three and he's probably not three like I one or two is really where I'd slot him in
1: there and I'm going to tell you this actually Bill was hoping Venables was going to be the coach because they were going they knew Kalen and them and all those guys would go to bat for him and he was hoping Venables was going to be the coach so he could remain at Oklahoma
0: I like it, I love it. and again uh, I, I believe that college football is better when College football is is prime for me when whoever wins in Dallas is playing for a national championship. Like that's that's my mm-hmm. that's my premier college football uh experience. But um they've got they've got some talent coming back. You've got again Beaton Ball who is one of the top offensive line coaches in the country. And in, and in my mind that was the difference last year was the offensive line didn't look as good as it had in the past, and that's why the offense struggled quite a bit. So uh, they've got some returners. You've got beaten Ball coming back and new offense. Like what? Will, do you expect more classic OU offensive line? Like, what is this still in the transition? Like, what do we
1: expect there? So, in, and that's the thing that we Actually, we've actually been talking about a little bit in some of our groups. Um, it's been very, very much noted that, of course, you can you can actually just go look through the film uh, and see the regression of the offensive line during the Benny Wiley era for OU's offensive line, getting out of their stance, flipping their hips, uh, just, just getting to the, just getting to the spots in general where they're supposed to be. It It's not there. And that's where that whole Jerry Schmidt thing comes in the accountability uh, the, the, but not just the accountability, the biggest thing, a lot of it was, was discipline they had so many discipline issues last year uh, just by, you know, false starts, holding penalties, and just shooting yourself in the foot. And also, again, just not being properly conditioned <laughs> for as an offensive line. Like, And so the idea out of camp, of course, it's summer, so they're just running with Jerry Schmidt, right? Because that's the coach you work with the most, is the strength and conditioning coach the offensive line is trending in a far more positive direction than it was obviously last year. Uh, Cal transfer McKay Matar is actually going to be a pretty strong spot for Oklahoma. And of course, they're very obviously very glad they got him in that left guard. And mm-hmm. now it puts him in this interesting position. They have McCabe Matar, and you have one, Morris who was like, SEC freshman All-American, and yeah. then he gets to campus, and he's not playing games. He's not even. He's not. He's. He's not even touching the field over freshman. And we thought oh, that's weird. And so Oklahoma though is returning is re- already returning Andrew Rame, who played several games for them at center last year, and in, in the interior offensive line, you return Robert Conjol, who played several games at center in the interior offensive line. And then you return also um, Chris Murray, who also played on the interior offensive line. So you have three guys there, uh, no, excuse me, four guys there on the interior offensive line. And it's like, okay, are you going to make one of these guards a tackle because they played so many snaps? And then who's going to be your fifth guy or who's going to be? the guy that gels best with the rest of the group. As far as physicality, as far as what Oklahoma's old offensive line used to look like, I would expect that not to be fully redone. Obviously, you cannot do that in one offseason. You can't yep. just take these guys in one offseason and go from you know where you used to be labeled as the best offensive line in the country to being they're all right. You kind of like wonder if they're going to be able to run well that day. And it's not going to change overnight. It's going to take a couple of off seasons, uh, specifically with strength conditioning coach. Of course, with recruiting wins, that always helps too. And um, you'll see zone. You will see I. You'll see that classic Bill and Bo GT counter. Um, and You'll see I don't know, you'll see a lot of pass pro uh, that is, I think, going to be a lot better for them. Uh, you've had Oklahoma quarterbacks kind of running for their lives a little bit yeah. the last couple seasons. I think you're going to see a little bit of that being a lot better. So overall improvement, uh, will they be the best offensive line in the Big 12? I don't think so. Uh, do they have probably the best offensive line coach in the Big 12? Most likely um so it's going to take a couple of seasons but the offensive line is where i feel comfortable the defensive line actually is where i feel a little bit uncomfortable it's 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 the trenches for me and depth at wide receiver
0: well and and the defensive line is going to be be my next question you've got benito gone winfrey gone that's that's huge that that is a gash on the defense that's and those guys were uh not just production leaders, but those are some of your emotional leaders too. Kind of your your rally the troops guys, the guys that people look to when they need a play. So you know Venable's coming in. He's a defensive guy. You've got Ted Roof coming in, I think is the defensive coordinator, air quotes. Like, quote
1: unquote. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sark has an offensive coordinator, air quotes, right? Venables yeah. is defensive coordinator, air quotes. Um, but like at, who who are gonna be the guys that that OU and the defense look to to
1: be those kind of flag bearers, the guys that um, you can set your watch to on that defense. Uh, Jalen Redmond is a name that has Jalen Redmond is a guy that has really, really, really taken to his leadership position that he wants. And the type of player that he uh, wants to be under Brent Venables, you could, and same with Tulane transfer, uh, Jeffrey Johnson. He is the oldest guy in the room. And he's uh, already, you know, he's kind of like he's not this comeuppance, you know, young guy. He's this veteran presence with that guys have already gravitated towards. Um, other than that, I mean, that's 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 the question, right? It's all right, Oklahoma defensive line. What are they bringing in? Because. Are they bringing in a classic four, three? Are they going to play a lot of edge? What are they going to do? Um, oh, Brent Venables, of course, likes to be super multiple. So it's like, you're not really sure. Uh, a lot of people are convinced you're going to see a ton of four down linemen. And I'm, I'm not convinced by that just by looking at how the big 12 runs offense. <laughs> um, And so you're definitely going to see Jalen Redmond and Jeffrey Johnson in the middle, which are two guys that I think you can depend on. Then you have guys that you thought were going to be depth guys last year in Isaiah co. Um, and, um, Oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's, he was, a, he was another Juco transfer. Um, but you have the two Juco get two Juco guys. Um, you have Jordan Kelly and, and Cedric Robinson. uh, Roberson, um, Robert uh, Corey Roberson, excuse me. And so you have a bunch of guys that are in that defensive line room, but it's like, okay, you know, Redmond is going to be fine. You know, Jeffrey Johnson is going to be fine. You look at the defensive end spot. And that's when I start to have a little bit of questions. Uh, Ethan Downs, he's like 240 pounds. He is okay. like a spark plug. He's going to big pill media days. Uh, but I think that's because he is a vocal leader and a very good spokesman and is very articulate. I don't think it's because of his merit on the football field, if I were to be honest. Uh, the other three makes sense. I mean, you get Gabriel Mims and um Woody Washington. You get the the three other best players on the team, right? Yeah, right. Um, and so so the Ethan Downs is a weird outlier. Like, why is he going? Um, and then so on the defensive line, the defensive ends really are the question mark. Is it a stripling as at the edge? Is he going to be the guy? Is he going to be your next Obo Okoronkwo? Because he's definitely not shaped the way Nick Benito was who, you know, all American first, whatever third, f- third rounder. I think I can't remember. Yeah, Second some rounder could, yeah. somewhere around there. Uh, Perry Winfrey somewhere around there. Second, third, fourth rounder, Brian Asamoa too. Uh, you're losing several guys um, along the defensive line, but also um, I just named Brian Esmo and a linebacker as well. Um, and so that's that's a big that's the biggest question for me. The, the my two biggest questions for this team are who's going to be rocking on the defensive ends. I'm not necessarily worried about the defensive the interior defensive line, similarly to the offensive line, and I'm low key worried about the depth at wide receiver. Just because in this type of offense, you're going to have guys that get gassed just by simply the routes they're going to be running. So your second group of guys need to be burners and not just as good, but pretty on par with the rest of the course, um, with the rest of the players while you're trying to run an offense in the Big 12. Um, So offensive line on the come up. Defensive line, biggest question for me.
0: Awesome. So with that, I think that kind of dovetails into the last like actual like football question I want to ask you. But like you know, when you ask Oklahoma fans like what's the expectation? Expectations championships, right? Like that's what it is. But like when you look back, you know it's it's January of 2023 and you're looking back and doing like your your season post mortem, like what will you say or what will you be saying if the season was a success? Like, how will you say this was a successful season for the Oklahoma Sooners?
1: If I look back at 2023 and I'm saying this is a success, I'm saying you have won 10 games. Um, okay. And that is including the bowl game. You have won 10 games. I, I'd feel pretty good about that. It's knowing that you lost, uh, two really really good quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> lost one wide receiver to uh the other one to another wide receiver to USC. You lost Hazelwood, who unfortunately had a knee injury. Um, and it was gonna be primed maybe hopefully for a breakout season that never came. But he tra- uh, Jane Hazelwood transferring to Arkansas. Theo Weez is a, another one of those five star receivers because they signed four that that year or in a three that year, Mario, Mario, uh, uh, Williams was the next year. And, uh, you have Theo Weiss coming back again off a little bit of injuries, trying to hype himself up. Um, and then of course that third, what five-star receiver got in trouble in the off season of uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago, incidents, incident with a drug dealer. So, uh, man, it, it, it's, it's going to be weird thinking about, what success looks like for this team success for me is this, how many points did you score per game on offense? And what was your defensive S and P because I want to see specifically how Brent Venable's defense style is going to work with Jeff Lebby's philosophy on offense. Mm. One says, I want to score a crap ton of points. And the other says, "I want limited possessions for my defense so I can keep them fresh and on the field, um, and, and and blitzing at a rapid rate." And so, success realistically ten games. I think if you if you delve into eleven games and expect a conference championship appearance, I think that is fair by some. Just considering how much the comp, not how much just OU lost, but just how much the conference lost after last year. I mean, Iowa State, man, dude, they, they all came back. And it was a hell year for them. Like, I was like, Charlie, Charlie Kolar's coming back. Oh, so-and-so's coming back. This guy's coming back. And it was... The worst season for them I can imagine possible because, like, all those guys that came back just had a horrible season and it was just not what it, they thought it was going to be. Um, OSU, their defense, they do they still do bring back great defensive linchpins. Um, I don't trust Spencer Sanders any farther than I can throw Spencer Sanders, preseason uh, all conference quarterback. Spencer oh my, Sanders, that's wild. That's it, it's so in, in that in that. And that that goes to tell me like how much the conference lost this past year. Yeah. Like Lincoln Riley doesn't leave; it's Caleb Williams, you know. Yeah. And, and and it's a no competition. This one they probably had to think about it for a few minutes. And 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 it's wild to think that because like OSU fans, there there aren't always there aren't many OSU fans that are, that rave about Spencer Sanders. <laughs> they all know he's gonna mess up at the end of the game. The same thing with a Purdy, you know, they expected it, and he's all he's first teamer. It was it's so interesting, and so I think I I see I can see the idea that some people would say, well, they expect them to get to the conference championship game. Don't necessarily know about winning it, uh, but getting there. But I could also see how this team could realistically be struggling to get that eighth win in if that defense doesn't form well. Um, they. Brent Venables has it has talked about this consistently is that they are stripping this team down to the studs. Mm. They are stripping it down to the studs and rebuilding it physically with their bodies. And then obviously with their, uh, offensive defensive philosophies and then culture setting and yada, yada. And you have Kendall Dennis, who is a, who is a four star defensive back, I think out of Florida. Uh, I think he's going to his red shirt's, sophomore season, he, he actually picked off Dylan Gabriel in in the spring game and he mentioned this defense and Oklahoma spring game. Do you know anything about what, 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 what went on? Excuse me. Sorry. I don't, I know. Fill me in. (laughs) This was the funny thing about Oklahoma spring game, this defense, because, and, and I get, and I guess I'll, I'll preface it with this with Kendall Dennis saying this every week, they're getting five plays in their playbook and they have to like add that to their brain where uh, in like every week it's five new plays, five new plays, five new plays, five new plays. And they're not used to that because they're out of several different formations and they have several different things they have to account for on a singular play and not just one job, not just focus on that one job where they used to have just look at a wristband. Like I said earlier, and I, I'm very intrigued by that because you look at it and you look at this defense and you say, okay, they have a lot of good guys coming back. Kendall Dennis is saying they're adding five more plays, five more plays, five more plays. At what point does Brent Venables kind of like dumb down this defense for them? Mm -hmm. Can they meet that learning curve? Because every year the learning curve for Oklahoma has always been, he's always been Texas every year. It's like, all right, what, what, what kind of team do you have? Oh, well, you'll find out at Texas. What's your <laughs> yeah. offensive line look like? You'll find out versus Texas. That's the measuring stick every year for Oklahoma. This year comes a little bit early in Lincoln where you know what you're getting. But it's been very, very clear that the learning curve is going to be very important to this defense. And if it doesn't go well it and they are struggling, like they admittedly are saying, hey, like this spring game, Brenton Venables, the reason why the defense was getting batted balls, other than the fact that they've been going up against the offense the entire off season yeah. is Brent Venables was 15 yards, 10 to 15 yards behind the play behind the offense with the microphone, loudspeakers on the sideline, directing traffic on what the defense should be doing on that particular play. Wow. And yeah, Exactly. And so like, that's, that's where they were at in the spring, where you go from, I just have one job, one gap defense. That's it. If I make a mistake, at least I'm doing my one job going 100 miles an hour. This one was so different. I don't think people necessarily caught it the full way. But Brent Venables was essentially saying like, hey, this guy's here. You should be going here. And you can hear it on the loudspeakers. So you got like linebackers and defensive backs listening to their coach, like tell them what to do if they're not where they should be in a specific play or in a specific formation or how you should react to an offense because uh, it, there it's that learning curve. It's It's just been so interesting.
0: Man, I I don't know how to feel about all that. Like that's that's it's ooh, it it's there are so many questions and and I think um Dal- Dallas is going to be an interesting one yet again this year. Mm-hmm. It's just uh so let's let's part of the reason I love doing these interviews cuz one you're just a funny guy and and I like talking to you. And so I'm going to do a couple rapid fire questions for you as we as all we right. close this thing out. So uh I I want you to say one nice thing about Oklahoma State. What was one nice thing about the Oklahoma State Cowboys?
1: Uh, one nice, one nice thing about the Oklahoma State Cowboys is that since they, I'll do two, I'll do two nice things. I love it. Okay. Since they don't have much going on in Stillwater, because Stillwater is not, obviously, it's not the biggest town. I mean, it's, it's not even really a classic college town. They do have a really good strip of bars and parties. Okay. So that's one good thing about OSU. Yeah, The second one, Barry Sanders is electric. He's awesome. Easy. I love it. Awesome. So
0: what's one thing you're going to miss about the Big 12? Winning it every year. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, That's a, that was a softball. That's really what it was. And we could talk about softball on a, on a separate podcast. Uh, so, uh,
1: no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, like being in contention every year, right? Because going right. to the SEC, dude. <laughs> Like even in softball, the, those, that, those, those softball games are going to be stupid. Softball,
0: baseball is going to be incredible. Baseball, basketball. basketball. It's it it is track and field. It's going to be the best athletic conference period, regardless. Maybe, maybe Texas will continue its dominance in rowing and swimming. But outside of that, I don't, I don't envision much, uh, uh, much change as far wow. as competition. But, uh, okay. So la- last one, um, I want to know, I like asking this question, pick any player on the team. What is like one player and one brand dream NIL, like the perfect NIL pairing, one player on the team, the brand, what do you got?
1: I'm going to, I'm going to ask, can I do a rebrand? Do it. Yes. Okay. So I've already called that out and he actually, and he, and I, I don't even think I mentioned him. I don't, I don't think I mentioned him. I, I mentioned on Twitter that Danny Stutzman, who is a beloved, like inside linebacker for Oklahoma, or I guess the the Mike now he is such a goofball uh, in, in a typical college linebacker, like what you would expect total meathead Gronk. He is Oklahoma's Gronkowski. Love it. He could totally rebrand himself as the new Brian Bosworth and go as the studs. I love it. I'm down. I would be so down with it. Of course, right now he's very much embracing uh, roose, rooster or goose, if you will, uh, from Top Gun. Uh, okay. he has shaved the head, bleached the hair, and is wearing aviators currently around Norman somewhere. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but he's got the moxie. He's, he's fun. He's, he's, a, he's a fun guy. He's a, he's a character.
0: I love it. I love it, man. Comrade, thank you so much for giving me like an hour ish, hour and a half of your, uh, of your, of your week, man. If people want to know or how, if people want to get more of what you got to offer, where can they find you on the internet?
1: Man, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Camrobian CCM. Uh, you guys can follow stuff on you know our podcast. Uh, if you if you if you're a Texas fan, you want to listen to the Sooners <laughs> fans podcast. Um, you can check out crimsonandcreammachine.com. Uh you can find my stuff there and email me hateful things if you would like to. Unfortunately, uh, for people, Uh you know, me and Gerald, uh, I would say we were good friends, and we talk quite often, even on yeah. Twitter and the DMs. Uh, I'm I'm surprised I I don't even have your phone number instead by now, uh, just by thinking ab- about it. And that it's it's interesting because you know Texas fans, I mean, you're gonna be hearing from me still after this conference leave. You're never I leaving know. me. So. We-
0: we've been doing the goodbye tour. And then this, this week I'm like, Oh, wait, no, no, not it, at
1: all. it's the good friends tour. It's the, it's the, Hey, I'll see you later. Not goodbye. We're
0: hand, hand in hand into the sunset, man. Gamera, thank you so much for, for giving me some time.
1: I really, really appreciate it, brother, man. Thank you for just inviting me on to talk football for an hour. I've, I've, of course, like I talked all about Oklahoma. So I mean, like I'm having a good time.
0: We're, we both had a good time. It was good for, it was good for me too.
1: <laughs> well, i'm glad to hear that i'm glad to hear that thank you so much awesome thank you. and
0: again if you want more of what we have to offer you can check us out at longhorn pod on twitter you can follow me on twitter at gh goodridge facebook and instagram the longhorn republic we'll be back kyle will be back uh, unless he gets held up in customs which you know what if there's one guy that, that's going to get grabbed, it's going to be Kyle. But we should be back at it next week on Tuesday. We'll have uh, some more. We're going to start our position previews. Our group previews will start on Tuesday, and then we'll have another one of our uh, schedule previews next Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em.